Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Welcome, everybody, to episode 130 of Two Goalies, One Mike, brought to you by, as you saw in the intro, Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case on George Urban Boulevard. I am Dwayne, joined by Hurls, and hopefully we'll see her momentarily, maybe Cully, 
uh, might be joining us. We will see. But uh, before we get started here, um, in the last hour or so, uh, we on two goalies when Mike, obviously as passionate as we are here in Buffalo about hockey, you know, some would even say more so about football and, you know, the Bills and the Bills Mafia and the passion that's shown here in that fan base and the family feel that you get just from being a fan of the Bills, no matter where you are in this country, whether you're in California, uh, like Hurls is, you know, you have fans down in Texas, Florida, um, all over the country, all over the world. Um, and, uh, Unfortunately, we lost a member of that family today in uh, Eddie Minerick, uh, Nick, uh, his father, who both have been spending a uh, great deal of time in the hospital over the last at least three months from what I, I mean, just recollect. Um, he had a heart defect, uh, as many, some of most may know who follow who followed Nick on Twitter and social media. Um, he has been sharing Eddie's story now for a while and, uh, I just want to, you know, take a moment here to talk about what we've learned about Eddie over the last, you know, couple of years. And one of the things I take from him is not just the cliche things like inspiration, motivation, you know, he really, it just epitify, epitomizes the word energy to me, uh, because no matter how bad things got for him, uh, no matter how bad things seemed outlook uh that kid always had a smile and it was always in some way shape or form full of energy and um i i just i look at this and what happened today and just i look at how life can be so unfair but i'm so grateful for nick and him sharing the story of his son with us over the last couple of years um i was able to you know communicate and interact with nick uh almost two years ago when Eddie's story first started, kind of started to hit my timeline and, and I have a relationship with Del Reed over at 26 shirts and friendship with him. And I put them in contact and they were able to come out with a really cool shirt uh, to help raise funds for Eddie and his fight. And, um, you know, I'm glad I was able to have that interaction with Nick because he's such a cool dude. Um, and anybody who knows that story knows how great a, a, a person Nick is and how much of a loving father he has been through all of this and everyone knows he's self-employed. He's a personal trainer and he's legitimately lived at that hospital now uh, for the, at least three months, you know, as many may know. So I just want to take care and have a moment of silence for Eddie uh, in his fight. And, you know, he may have left as Nick said, he may have left the physical world, but he's still with us. And we know he's up there with Poncho uh, ready to, ready to root on these Buffalo bills as they make a run at their very first ever Super Bowl. And I can't think of a, better two pair of fans to uh, have the best seats in the house uh, rooting for that team. So just want to take a, a brief moment of silence here for Eddie uh, and the, uh, and the fight that he had. And uh, he didn't lose that fight and uh, you know, he is gone, but then he's not forgotten.
Um, I know, uh, you know, Hurls, I know we talked about it briefly before we came live on air. Um, and I don't want to, uh, you know, bring down the show because, you know, Eddie's the type of person that would want us to, you know, be positive and have a lot of energy right now. And so would Nick. So um, I know you briefly, you know, had some, you know, recollection of Eddie's story. Um, anything you should you care to share or add uh, before we really kind of dive into uh, the last week of the NHL? Yeah, I mean, aside from what you've already said, which I think was was really well spoken, I think more so we can just read what his Nick, his dad Nick said about an hour ago. Uh, he tweeted out, uh, "Eddie isn't suffering anymore. He's left with the physical world. He's left the physical world, but his love and spirit will live on forever because he was such a force, such a light." I love you all. Thank you for always being there. Eddie's infantry forever. So like you said, we there are, there are these uh, focal points for Bills Mafia and for Sabres fans and around the community of Buffalo. And it seems as though that Eddie was definitely one of them, even at such a young age. And I think we can all relate to loss in, in, in one way or another in our life and the grieving process and everything else. But when it's someone so young, it, it doesn't feel fair. And it feels like someone was stolen from us way too early. So I think we just got to celebrate his life and everything he contributed in a short time here on earth and uh, honor his legacy as much as we can throughout the summer, throughout next season. And I'm sure the bills will, I'm sure uh, Josh Allen and other players will uh, do whatever they can to honor his legacy, because that's the type of team and the type of community that Buffalo is. So I'm sure his spirit and his memory will live on for a long time. And that's about all you can ask for with such a tough situation right now. And for those of watching who aren't familiar, I'm just going to pull up a short video uh, from Nick's Twitter. Uh, Eddie loved to wish people happy birthday, too. I'll share one of those with you, too. He loved, loved, loved to wish Bills fans, anybody who wanted a happy birthday from Eddie, they got one. No matter how down or how weak he might have felt, he got pumped up and he wished you a happy birthday uh, on your Twitter timeline. And that's one thing that always, like, kind of stood out to me is this, this kid has been through so so much fucking bullshit in his life already and spent so much of his life in the hospital bed. And how do you have this much energy and how do you have this much stamina being, you know, I can barely, I'm healthy as a horse. I can barely get out of bed sometimes or have the motivation to get out of bed. And this kid at his young age just finds the energy and finds the motivation to keep fighting and keep and never give up. And, you know, his dad as well, always there right by his side. So, I definitely, I'll share this one video that, uh, you know, it cracks me up. Um, you know, anytime I've watched it, you know, the first time I watched it, um, he's, uh, an absolute force as, as Nick said. And, um, again, just always cracks me up here. Uh, just, uh, this is Eddie. This is Eddie in a nutshell. That kid never, never took a day off and and being the best son he could be to his dad and being the best Bills fan he could be to all of us and to his dad and to all of Bills Mafia. And, uh, you know, like I said, he never took a took a day off, always willing to wish somebody a happy birthday. That's uh, obviously him just saying, you know, go Bills. But uh, just an absolute inspiration. And my heart is absolutely broken for Nick and his family and everyone that was close to him and, that hospital, he said that hospital staff became like a second family to him. And, you know, you could say, you could tell that the staff there was torn up losing Eddie. 
uh, that his laugh and, you know, his smile, it's a, it's a tough day for anybody who knows who they both are and is an avid love, you know, love for the bills. It's a tough day for sure. Um, but again, I, uh, I just wanted to open the show with that and, um, you know, let Nick know and those who care about Eddie that he's in our thoughts, you know, and, uh, you know, he's gone, but never forgotten. So, um, I did get a message from Johnny. Uh, I think he will be joining us here soon. Um, so I, you know, you know, always fashionably late with that one, but, um, we'll see what he pops on anyways, her else, uh, Obviously, we missed Tuesday because of the obvious, the uh, 4th of July weekend. How was your 4th? It's good. Good. And nice to have a few days off. And uh, yeah, had a good time. I took the long weekend too. I took, Mon- I already had Tuesday off. I took Monday off. So I had, you know, you know, early day Friday. So pretty much for four and a half days off from work, it's, you know, did the body good until I fell out right. of my golf cart on uh, Tuesday morning golfing. Shot an 80, it was an 82 or an 84 at uh, Terry Hills and was getting out of the golf cart. Uh, It was still moving, but I've done that a thousand times and it wasn't moving fast. And then shout out to Gunnar Hines who sped up a little bit more as I was getting out. My foot got caught. And you ever see that commercial, uh, Tuck and Roll Grandma, when he pushes his grandma Mm -hmm. out of the car? Yeah. Legitimately that fell right out of that golf cart. And unfortunately, I had two golf balls in my pocket that I landed right on top of. And I have a pretty amazing uh, bruise on the side of my leg. And then last night at my hockey game, I get a clapper right to the side of the thigh in the exact same spot. It was, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the, the chances and odds of that. And I was trying to avoid blocking that shot the time around. But, uh, yeah, my leg hurts like hell. But other than that, man, I uh, – you know, I actually fell asleep before the fireworks went off by my house. Um, decided to be up early in the morning. Uh, you know, I've seen these same sets of fireworks out here by my house a thousand times. So it's always the same to me. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure I could catch as many fireworks as I wanted on Snapchat. So if I really care yeah. enough. But uh, I had a nice low-key 4th of July. Um, but uh, it was fun. It was relaxing. And uh, happy birthday, America. And... Um, but we did get on July 1st, the start of free agency. And we did get to, uh, I don't know if I would call them big moves, but substantial moves. Would you agree? I'd say so, especially with the needs that the Sabres currently have right now. And I think everyone knew what they were and were hoping they would be addressed. And that was on defense. Um, Mm -hmm. any type of addition on the second or third pairing to supplement an already, Pretty good top half with Rasmus Dahlin and Matias Samuelson and Owen Power. Getting them some help, getting them some veteran, uh, steadfast addition to the blue line, I think was was the goal of free agency. And I think they did that in in Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson. Two different types of players, two different players at different stages of their career. Uh, Eric Johnson, a 15-year veteran, uh, former first overall pick. So that now makes three former first overall picks on the Sabres defense next season, which is probably a record if I had to guess. And then Connor Clifton, uh, a former player of uh, Don Granado at the U.S. National Development Program, a pretty good member of the Boston Bruins defense last season. Uh, we can get into a little bit more, but the combination of those two, I think, was about as good as the Sabres could have imagined to have get without 
vastly overpaying for somebody or trading top prospects or doing something that's going to set your rebuild back a couple years in the interest of like absolutely going for it this year. I thought it was as good of a couple moves as they possibly could have made. And like, here's the thing. Like, I don't think you really need to go out and make a, you don't have to do a Taylor Hall thing. You know what I mean? What Buffalo with Taylor Hall, which was essentially to, you know, make Jack happy and keep him around for another, at least another year, you know, to try and make the playoffs. Um, Remember that whole sound bite from Terry? Uh, this puts us in position to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, obviously, it didn't, um, and it went terribly, terribly, terribly wrong um, in the worst kind of way. So I am completely – I've – and I was a doubter of Kevin Adams in that first, when I first hired him. I thought he was just going to be a yes man for this organization. I just thought that, you know, he was going to be a guy that wasn't going to bark back when he was told what to do, but – I, I am willing to, you know, admit when I am wrong and sign that apology waiver or whatever it is, like, like the post on Twitter. Um, Kevin Adams has done a phenomenal job. I saw a tweet earlier from some Adam Fantilli Twitter account, some, some account, and he is posting the top, you know, GMs in, in the NHL. He had Adams ranked at 14, and I thought that was incredible. I'm not saying he's a top 10 GM. But he had like Danny Breer ahead of him in the top ten. Like, why is Danny Breer in the top ten? He hasn't even been a, a GM for six months. He hasn't really done. I mean, the best movies made was a draft pick that literally fell to him, fell in his lap because other teams in front of him, outside of obviously, you know, the obvious and number one at Connor Bedard, teams were just afraid to pick him because of the Russian aspect of it. You know, of the fear that he might not come. Um, I. Uh, I don't know. I just um, I, I don't see what he's done to, to to delegate a top ten designation. But that's neither here nor there. I thought I think Kevin Adams has done a phenomenal job. He has Matias Samuelson, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, between the three of them, locked up till two thousand thirty for under twenty million dollars, which to me is an absolute insanity, absolute insanity. That is your your first your first line center, your second line center. And one of your top pairing defensemen for under twenty million dollars. Find me any other team in the NHL that has that right now. You don't. You just don't. They're, if anything, they're probably overpaying their second line center. If anything, and our first line center is being underpaid. Yeah. Um, and I, I just I, I look at just the bulk. You're getting ready to, to hopefully extend Darlene and Power both to similar contracts soon, and I imagine those will both be under um, twenty million. And uh, that meaning that you have five key pieces to the future of your team locked up for probably around $35 million, which to me is, is nuts. And I, so I think he's done a phenomenal job and um, I trust in his judgment right now. I I'm glad that the communication has always been, we're going to develop, 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 stick to the plans to the plan. And that's what he's done. He has not, you know, diverged away from that plan. He's stuck to it. And the time to make big signings and big trades, that'll come. That will come. Um, but find me a player outside of maybe like Racco Gudas, maybe Tyler Bertuzzi in free agency that you were just, I need that guy. Need that guy. Like, also, they have to want to come here. And while it was reported recently that Buffalo's come off a lot of teams, no trade, no trade lists, it doesn't change the fact that some players still might be hesitant just. I even said it in a group text that 
Uh, they look at the Jack Eichel situation and what happened here. They'd be hesitant because they felt that maybe Jack was treated unfairly, even though we know, you know, in Buffalo that that isn't exactly the entire story. Uh, so, you know, you gotta, it, it takes two to tango and you have to have both players that want to be here. And, you know, as much as I would have loved to have Radko Gudas, a mean, burly, physical, you know, pissy of a defenseman, um, I'm not going to pay that guy $6 million a year to come here because, you know, that's what it might take to get him to come to Buffalo. No, I am completely fine with Connor Clifton, completely fine with Connor Clifton. And, you know, I spoke to a, a, a guy, a fellow a Bruins fan that I know, Chris Mancuso. I asked him, like, hey, you know, I know Connor Clifton, but obviously you follow the team. Can you give me some insight? Like, what's this guy all about? I know he's physical, but he goes, uh, he goes, I love that Clifton signed in Buffalo. I come over for a decent amount of games. You guys are going to love this kid. He hits everything that moves. Um, and uh, let me see here. He will f- even fight from time to time. Buffalo got a good players. I always, always liked Clifton. Good defender and loves to throw a big hit. So I, I, I'm, I love that signing. I think he's going to be your second pairing defenseman. I don't think there was a ton of opportunity for him in Boston. The top four, I mean, they were very deep at the position, and he wasn't getting getting in a top four unless it was for an injury. It just, just wasn't, especially after they traded for Dmitry Orlov. Like, he wasn't he wasn't getting into that top four. He was a good defender, over 200, uh, 200 block. I want to say it's 100 block shots, over 200 hits. You know, he had a 20-point season, which is probably what you would expect out of a second-pairing defenseman. And he was doing it as a third pairing defense with no power play time on a, on a great Bruins team. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't playing at all on the power play. So I'd expect that he's going to see a much bigger role here in Buffalo. And I love the signing. Yeah, so do I. He has a decent amount of offensive upside too. I've been watching a lot of highlights yeah. of him joining the rush out of the defensive zone, getting the puck out and also taking advantages of taking advantage of his off, offensive opportunities in the offensive zone. Like, I, I guess, obviously, you already have that in Darlene and Power, right? You've got these world-class, offensively skilled defensemen that can take the brunt of the offensive chances from the back end. Yep. But having that type of opportunity from your guys that you trust a little bit more defensively, I think it's still good to have. And it fits with the style yep. of this team that they currently play. So having that, he's apparently a very good penalty killer. And I know the penalty kill hasn't been great thus far so what's up johnny hey boys how we doing pretty doing good, good. Buddy. we're just uh we ju- we're just diving into uh, free agency here uh johnny cullen fashionably late uh fashionably what? finally yeah. trimmed up and yeah, what they're looking trimmed up too yeah, yeah a little, little bit, bit. To buy a case and get a haircut check out outlet liquor i don't think they're giving haircuts at outlet liquor no, Maybe that's where i get mine out in the back parking lot so uh, yeah but uh, we're actually talking about, uh, obviously, NHL free agency. Buffalo made two. I wouldn't call them, as I started off, I don't think I'd call them big moves, but substantial moves. And Not blockbuster, but substantial is great, great wording. I, uh, Connor Clifton, and, you know, we were just touching on him. Give your thoughts on the Connor Clifton. Uh, I like it. I like him as a depth guy that, that gives us what we need, right? Mm-hmm. What, did, what did we argue about last year? A lot of Labushkin stuff. And who's that guy that ended up playing half the season with us that has no business being in the NHL? Uh, Jacob Bryson. Yeah, Bryson and company. Like, I hate to say it, but you can have a high-end defenseman in Darlene and Power 
and even Samuels, you want to throw those guys in the mix. But, like, if you don't have a 5'6", you can't play. And, and I liked Lawrence Pilot for a, a while, but he's not a 5'6". You know who is a 5'6"? Who's a 5'6"? Johnson and whoever we pushed down for Clifton. So let me ask you to flip it back on you guys. Is Connor Clifton a top four? I think I, so. we're talking about it. I think with more opportunity, he easily could be. And yeah. I think, like, he has the skills. He has the physicality. He has the offensive upside. He's a great penalty killer. And when you put him with a guy like Power, who's only going to get better, I think there's absolutely a possibility. He's already played under Don Granado. So as he, so, continues, as he continues to build within the system, I think he absolutely could be. Did you guys talk about who would he be his preferred partner? Like, in your perfect world, I'm going to tell you, Dwayne, who's your top four? Who's playing uh, you keep Dolly and Samuelson together without a doubt, and then okay. you put power with Clifton. They were seeking a right-handed defenseman. They got two of them, one in Eric Johnson. Um, well, but I think I, we all know Eric Johnson's role, right? He's yeah, like he, the Craig Anderson of the back end. For he's our the only ring in the room. He, he's the only ring in the room. Um, guy has so much tenure, it's ridiculous. Former first overall pick. Uh, Let's not forget that his parents stole $70 million from him. I think that was Jack Johnson. Was that Jack Johnson? And Callie is going to pay his first fine of the night. That is a fine. Yeah, that, that, that was we covered that a lot at my job. Actually, that was Jack Johnson. That's, uh, but yeah, I, uh, Eric. Eric's going to push somebody. There's going to be a trade made because you have Yoki. How are you there, Stillman? Um, I like Stillman, but I don't think he's. I'm not saying he's be the odd man yeah, out, but there is, exactly. there is going to be an odd man out. Like you, what, what was what was Stillman's contract coming in? He has one year left remaining, I think. Right, Arles? He has one year. Um, I think he has one year left. Yeah, yeah. That's obviously he's on a one way because we yep. traded for him. Yep, from Vancouver. You know what would be interesting to see. I know you don't bring in a guy with cup experience like Johnson to cut him at camp, but like, I think the wild card in all this is is where is is the Minnesota, the Minnesota defenseman doing. The Minnesota defense. Oh, Ryan Johnson. I think I, I think that both those signings, you don't feel pressured to bring Johnson into the fold. I agree. I just heard something interesting. You know, the the Select 17 camp, the oldest one at Northtown Center where they choose the Holinka Gretzky team, the one that yep. I made. I yep. got to go in and do some play-by-play with them. I'm not going to name any names. Actually, I did talk to one Northeastern coach that we know very well, and yep. he said to say hello. And I told I told him to say, tell Ritzy, Colleen, and Dwayne said hello and thank you for everything with Devin. Um, but you know who I'm talking about. And yeah. I'm not going to re- reveal any of their names, but all high DN, D1 coaches that have played or coached against Minnesota. And they said Johnson's more NHL ready than we realize. He stayed all four years, guys. Yeah. Well, he, here's the thing, too. And they have an insane amount of internal competition now. And I think that's the best thing. This, this, the what's that's a great thing for this, this franchise at the moment. Like what haven't we had in 12 years to win? Yeah. Internal competition. Um, you know, you have so much depth up front in your forward ranks, you know, you've drafted five before the Benson, you know, drafting Benson at 13, you drafted five times in the past two years. Savoy, Austin, Kulik, power, uh, Rosen, um, you know, you have so much depth down the middle, up front. Like, there's so, like, there have been times in the past where you've 
been angry as a Sabres fan because, you know, teams that are rebuilding that have something to trade, a valuable asset to trade, they want futures and assets. We never had enough to, to really deal with. Now we do because we do have that issue of there just isn't going to be enough room. Well, especially when you start thinking about guys like Savoy and other guys that are going to need a roster spot. Sorry, my background just collapsed. No, it's fine. Um, um, I, I agree with you, Dwayne. I think it's 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 really it's really scary because oh, not scary. The best the best problem we've had in a long time. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and you, you don't forget you have Jack Quinn. I mean, oh, he start he's going to start the year on the uh, on the injured list. He's not going to start the season. Um, timeline on that, though, Dwayne. I haven't heard one. Huh? Timeline on that injury? Yeah, yeah. he could be back by December with a uh, with a proper healing process. So yeah. that's first two months of the season. Well, you know what that does do? That opens up a spot. You know, like listen, I know Jack Quinn earned that spot, but like not starting the season. I've seen this before. Somebody jumps in that maybe it's a Savoy, maybe it's somebody else, right? And then right. all of a sudden, Jack Quinn comes back, and it's like. What, what do you think Danny thinks at that point? Like, don't mess with it. It's working. Let's get Jack Vick back in and demote somebody <coughs> that we just signed to veteran contracts. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I it, it, Listen, like, part of me would love to see Buffalo go make a deal for a player to replace Jack Quinn for the first couple months of the season. But who's to say that guy isn't in the organization? Because they all know there is a spot available potentially that that spot just opened up for at least two months into the year. Now, what like, was they Quinn all know that. Playing? What was Quinn playing, Dwayne? Was he a center? Or no, he was on the wing. He okay. was on the wing. He was on the wing of Cousins and Paterka. Now, how do you feel about Yuri Kulik? I think his ears are perked up a little bit, for sure. I think um, you never want to see your team in injured, but, like, no. he's got to be licking his chops, right? Yeah, and, you know, with Olofsson, that, that, well, that's another thing, too. You still haven't traded Olofsson. Is that going to happen? Is it, you know, that's the trade you were referring to before earlier, well, right? Well, that's the thing, but you know, you would think his value would have been at his highest starting and going into free agency or at the draft. Um, you kind of seen some of the deals that were being made. You think maybe it's better to hold on now and wait till his value is bumped back up. Let him start the season. Maybe he goes on a run. Maybe he is that guy that temporarily replaces Quinn in the line. I know that sounds weird because he's been there, but you get my thinking. Yeah, like, like maybe we hold on to him till December, knowing we're, we we got to get his value up. Nobody ever said you couldn't make a midseason trade before Thomas Vanek was traded at like ten o'clock at night on a random day of the week that nobody saw coming to the Islanders, and it was a blockbuster trade. Nobody saw that trade coming. Nobody knew that trade was coming. And I mean, granted, he I think he was going into um, off. It was his last year's contract. Or, I can't remember well, it was he, had, he had RF. He had UFA status at the end of that yeah. contract. Well, but nobody knew that that deal was coming when it did. It was nowhere near the. Deadline. I didn't even find out till like two days after. Huh? I didn't find out till two days after. I was I wasn't in Buffalo when it happened. Yeah. So I'm like, it, hey, what happened to fucking Vanek? Yeah. And. That was a deal for a first two. Essentially, it was end up being two firsts and Matt Molson. Uh, Matt was very serviceable here for a while and great guy too. Great guy, Matt Molson, yeah. really, really good human being. Yep, he just got old. You know, he got older and you know became lost his foot speed. You know what I think about Matt Molson, Dwayne? What? He was the guy that that broke into the NHL in the early two thousands before the lockout changed, and as the game moved more towards speed and less 
towards like protecting the puck and bigger frames. I think that led to his early demise. What mm -hmm. is it? Isn't it your responsibility to look at a player's projected future and not hand out those stupid contracts? Yeah, I know. Sorry, go ahead. You know, when you got rid of the clutching and grabbing, sure, like the bigger players in the league, it dramatically affected their ability to be, you know, if you didn't, ha if you, if you lack speed of the foot, like you, you just weren't going to be effective at that point in the NHL. Andrew Peters, I'm not saying that he was going to be a great hockey player, but he had a great junior career, like a great, he was a second round pick. Like yeah, and then the lockout happened and now his role changed. He went from being, I, I, I've talked about with him about this a couple times and or plan, we're planning something, uh, me and him together. Uh, a couple of clicks for PD, friend yeah. of the show, good dude. Yeah, great dude. And But his role changed dramatically. He lacked, he lacked speed and that wasn't, you know, he wasn't built for the game, I guess. And he did what he needed to do to survive in the NHL, yep. which was? Fight. Be the tough guy. Be the enforcer. Be the fighter. And you look at the OHL. Whatever the NHL is going to do, the OHL, they make them try it out first. Like, we did three out three overtime first, right? Yep. And then they talk about it. They put in uh, the 10-fight rule, meaning now it's a five-fight rule. So back when I played junior, we had two guys on our roster that literally, I don't want to chirp PDC, Peters here, but, like, their only role, they were okay players, but they were there to fight, right? Yeah. Now, in juniors, you can only fight five times. You have 68 games. On your sixth fight, you're suspended five games. Seventh fight, ten games. So is it worth it to keep a guy – in junior to develop another Ryan Reeves, another Andrew Peters, when you can only use him, say, five out of 68 games? No. And that's why we're seeing fighting a rat evaporate from the OHL. What I'm interested in is what's going to be the repercussions 10 years down the line when they're – I'm not saying you need Ivan Drago as your heavyweight, but, like, you got to have somebody to chuck him. Like Nick Delorier, I would love to have him – Instead of Keegan, Keegan, Keegan Colasire. Exactly. Perfect. Great example. Great example. You know, um, yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Uh speaking of Ryan Reeves, signs with the uh, you know with Toronto. Um Domi. Uh, Trey Living, uh making his presence known. Max Domi, uh really good story, but at the like I heard this. I mean, I don't agree with the comparison, but I, I, I agree and disagree. I agree, I disagree that they're the same player, but I agree that it might not have much of like he's no different than having Alex Kerfoot. You know, like they had that guy. Like they have they play different roles and they're different players, but is that really gonna push the meter this way rather than this way? Um Tyler Bertuzzi does for sure. Yes. 100%. He pushes it this way. Why didn't we make a swing at him, guys? Anybody? I mean, he just I mean, I'm sure we him. did. I'm sure it was too much. I think uh, I think Adams was really measured in his approach. I think he's, he mentioned that they were interested in a lot of these guys, but it was out of their price range. You yeah, know, I, I think once you move Olofsson off the books, dude, I would have paid 5-3 for Bertuzzi. Yeah. I mean, he's the, him a definitely the type of guy that would have fit in. But I imagine, given that they couldn't, like this Olofsson thing, like I'm sure they tried to trade him. You know, like I'm sure they – had their fair share of discussions with other teams at the draft and during free agency, but it probably wasn't worth it given, given what they probably would have gotten back. So Personally, it is somewhat disappointing given that his role diminished 
in the last 10 games of the season. And he was getting healthy scratched as the Sabres were pushing. I think his game spot. diminished, Connor. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it, was, it, it disappeared. Yeah, he was, he was healthy scratched. And they had the discussion at the end of the season about what he could have done better. And I think there's still an opportunity for him. I really do. Um, Did you guys but, feel the disconnect from him this year? Did you feel like I, I don't know? I oh yeah, no. I mean, Olafson of early. He does. He, he does one thing there. really well, and he needs to round out his game defensively. Well, he needs, here's my question, though, guys. Did Did you notice his is what when he got interviewed or when he was talked to or his play on the ice? I just he looked almost like a different player in a bad way. Yeah, and I get it. You go from playing with Jack Eichel to whoever, but like, I don't know. I just I think Victor really started out hot. Made us think his ceiling was way up here, and we're starting to see he's here now. Now, now going back to what you guys just got at, what is the best way, best way for us to maximize his trade potential? Because if we do play him a lot and he gets even worse, then I mean, you, you throw him out, you throw him on the power play, you throw him on the right side, Tage on the left, Victor on the right, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities. And yeah. we've seen throughout his career that he scores his goals from the right slot on a one timer, top glove. Almost every single time. And other than that, it's an, a random empty net goal that doesn't mean anything at the end of the game. So you, you throw him on the power play for the first couple months, maybe on the second line with Cousins and Paterka, you maximize his opportunity, then you try to trade him. I agree. And uh, in terms of the right, you have that double that dual threat that, uh, you know, on the other side with Tage, how many, how many times have we seen him hammer a puck through the back of the net? Yeah, you got, you got when you got to focus on one of them. Power play. So you just mentioned Tage as an all-world shot. We all know that now. Is Olafson a passer or a shooter? Oh, he's a Open shooter, hundred percent. So I would, I would, I would. That, I would put shot. Happens, it, that that goal that Thompson gets usually comes from the seam, right? Yeah, from yep. Olafson's spot. That's where. So I'm, I'm with you guys. I think I would put Olafson in every position to succeed. And even if he doesn't deserve it, knowing he's not in our long-term plans, because then that maximizes and maybe accelerates the deal. As long as it's not affecting the outcome of games, I'm all for it. See, that's a tricky line though, isn't it, Dwayne? Yeah. yeah. Like how do you quantify he can, that? He can disappear for 20, 25 games at a time. That's happened throughout the past two, three years of his career. He'll he go on. He'll have go these on stretches and then he's just career. gone. He'll go on an absolute heater and score like 12 goals in nine games. But and then he won't do shit for the next 15. Because I agree with you completely, Dwayne, and you two girls. Here's my fear. So we're trying to get his value up. We start him in place of the roster spot of Jack Quinn. Not saying he's replacing him. Just saying that's, you know, instead of being on the outside looking in, he at least has a spot. And let's just say he does not have a great start. And then he gets pushed out of the lineup by even younger guys further down the totem. You know what I mean? Then that backfires because, well, hey, you know, you guys are out Quinn. You've got Kulik replaced. You know what I mean? So what's he worth? So that's why I, I get doing that. That's a great point because what, at what point are you losing value versus hurting the team? Exactly. And I, I guess it's a situational thing. If you're up by a couple of goals, you get a power play, you throw them out there on the first unit. You know what I mean? Um, but that, it, does, does, it it the chemistry of the unit? Huh? does that affect the chemistry of the unit? I know that's a trivial question, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's not like they had, he hasn't been on the first unit before. 
You're right. In a 5-1 game, sure. But you don't think other teams would realize, hey, let's subtract two points uh, because those two power play goals in garbage time were garbage goal. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to I don't keep it going on that. I didn't mean to drag it out that long. Sorry, boys. Yeah. I uh I don't know. I I, I think that I, I I think if you can get him to start off I don't, I don't even use the word hot, just if you can get him to increase his overall five on five, two hundred foot play by fifteen percent, I think that dramatically improves his value. Even by that much, because that's how great of a goal scorer he is. Right. And his best, 50% better than what he has, his value goes up tremendously. You said it back when, when he broke into the scene, Dwayne. Mm-hmm. He was such a dominant offensive player that even though he wasn't great defensively, he was okay. So he's, it's still out with the good outweighed the bad, right? Yeah. And I think when you see him, he's such an up and down player that guys like that, when you're not scoring, you have to be that good defensively to justify your spot, right? Yeah. But with him, it's like when the goals aren't there, nothing's there. You no. get what I'm getting at? Like, if you're a goal scorer and you aren't scoring goals, you have to find another way to contribute. Agreed. Is Olafson a penalty killer? No. Is is he somebody you want out there at the end of the game? That's not my call, but I think there's some better defensive forwards, right? So if you're not scoring goals, if he isn't hot, you're right. Then that brings up a fucking really, really, like, what's the tipping point? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. So, again, going back to where this conversation all started with the internal competition, I think said and what they their plans for him are, that's, that's a big deciding because if you don't trade him, you have to play him. You just have to. You can't have that guy riding the bench to start the season. Not like, with what he's making. No, no way. Not even just that. Just like if, if you plan on – if he's not part of your future, you can't have him on the bench. You just can't. Um, And uh, when you're going to be without Jack Quinn well, – Yeah, Jack on the bench. Huh? I said we had Jack on, on the bench for a while, I think, after we knew he wasn't a part of this. I'm just busting well, your balls. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But uh, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't have that guy on the bench. You have. No, to I agree with your point. Value. I agree with your point. But it also, it also. Oh, it's like the Jeff Skinner thing with, with um, Remember the Jeff oh, Skinner perfect. thing with what's his Kruger? Yeah. Can we not say his name on the? I was all over him. Dwayne said he's got to play. Sorry. Yeah, go he's got to play, and you, you know, but that also takes away from what we talked about earlier: the internal competition, having that spot available pushing these guys as hard as they should be pushing themselves no matter what, but you know, dangling that at that carrot in front of the rabbit, that being there is going to make them sell out even harder at training camp and in the preseason to, to get a spot on this team. I love it. And I'll kick it over to you to Earl's. I'm going to read off the 12 forwards we have under contract right now. You guys tell me when the last time we had a, a good group, as good of a group as this Skinner, Thompson, Cousins, Olofsson, Tuck, Greenway, Middlestack, Gergensen, Zakposo, Yost, Krebs, J.J. Paterka. And that is not counting Jack Quinn. That is not counting Yuri Kulik, Noah Oslin, Matthew Savoy, Isaac Rosen. So there's five forwards right there that I think could kill it. And I mean, uh, you, haven't, you haven't even mentioned the, the best one, in my opinion. 
and that's that's Zach Benson. So I, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't seen a ton of Benson being a Washington mm-hmm. guy. Uh, I talked uh, Musty about him um, because they got to meet, and you know he said he's a, he's a big big boy that can move well, and he and and I think that's something we lack. What what do you like about the pick? So. I've seen a lot of rankings in the past two weeks. Um, I saw him going to buy a six or seven. Yeah, so he was I, – I I printed out a sheet when we did our, our mock draft last week, averaged 25 different mock drafts, and it averaged their average draft position of where they thought they would go. And he was number six, the six-rated prospect, and he went 13th. So he fell for some reason. And these videos that have come out over the past few days of him at development camp, one person who was an NHL – talent evaluator said something along the lines of NHL scout should be absolutely embarrassed that Zach Benson fell to 13th. I'm not sure what they were looking at, but they missed something. There's and a lot of left wingers taken before him and Quinn musty. That I it's got to be a side. Say, what were you guys thinking? It's be the best in he's 5'10", 170. So he's a little bit on the smaller side, but he doesn't Benson? play like it. Yeah, he's five ten, one seventy. Yeah, he's, I he's, thought he was six four. No, no, what? no, that's that's Wahlberg. That's ah. yeah, our second round pick. Benson, smaller guy, but he doesn't play like that. He's a little yeah, bit bigger. He plays like a brick shit house. In the I saw him blowing the, guys up. The biggest thing that I've seen from him, his relentless back pressure from the puck. He yeah, never gives up on a play, and and not even a cliche way. He is constantly hunting hunting down the puck from behind. You saw that in his highlight tapes leading up to the draft. You saw it afterwards, after the Sabres drafted him. And you specifically saw it at development camp this week. If a guy thinks he has the puck coming out of the zone, a defenseman or forward, he's going to get there. He has relentless pressure. He lifts sticks, gets the puck back, and brings it back into the zone. He's always looking for the open man. His playmaking ability. Yeah, he's just as fast. He's he's a good good skater. But I think uh, this, this guy, analytic guy named Micah, said that he is the best playmaker that he's tracked in an NHL draft since 2015, since Connor McDavid. And if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about his playmaking skills and his ability to find the open man and create chances for his teammates, I don't, I don't know what you're looking at or what, what you think is what you need on your team. Here, here, I got one for you, Earls. How, because we've seen this time and time again, and I'll go back to Gregorenko. A lot of things were said about him same way and he he fizzled out and granted different players a lot of different situations what what is your timeline with benson because him being that way he might be able to transition into a bottom six role easier than a guy like musty or will smith who are top six players eventually right i don't i don't think it's out of the question if he performs in the same exact way at training camp with better players and better line mates that I don't think it's out of the question that he could make the team this year. From everything I've read about him. I, just remember, I think he gets nine games at the very best. I think there's no possible way he makes the team. We'll see. I, I honestly, from, from things I've read, I, I really do not think it's out of the question. This kid. I, I, I think his upside's huge, but I think who, okay. So in order for that to happen, Earls, he'd have to stay here the whole year. Yeah. We couldn't send him to Rochester. Yeah, he has to be on the team. We he couldn't send go. him back to, well, we could send him back to Portland, wherever he's from. Uh, the Dell, but we'd be burning up a year of his ELC. You know what I mean? That's why yeah. I think let's give him the nine games if he deserves it. Now, okay. if you're right, and he is that good, well, now we have somebody else that's trade piece, right? Like, yeah. 
I so, think I, I think that uh, if you're talking about which in terms of prospect who makes the team, I think, and I don't get me wrong, I think the upside uh, for Benson is enormous, but why rush him? Like I I, I, I have no reason to rush him. Yeah, um, I, I, I think it gets to the point where you look at talent, and this kid has something that you currently don't have on your team. Well, why, but, do we, why do we trade for Greenaway then? But he's not the type of playmaker. <laughs> Jordan Greenaway is not the type of yeah, playmaker. Yeah, but there's exactly no chance that Benson finds himself he in said the top the six line. We said the same stuff, though, about Casey Middlestat, man. Casey Middlestat's potential was through the fucking roof. We were all here. You know, during the, the the World Juniors was and we rushed him, Blaine. Huh? And we rushed him, but on but on a much but on a much worse team though. He came yeah, out of a time where he didn't have nearly as much. He was, he was undersized. The skill and the potential are there, and you're seeing it now. But I think you you can tell the difference between Casey Middlestad and Zach Benson the way they so play. Who, you, Specifically, you, the way I they hunt What do you see, Zach Benson, as an NHL player? Because I'll tell you what. It's a lot easier to play that game in the OHL than to do it against men. And I'm not saying he can't do it. I just think I'm with Dwayne. I think it's going to take some time. Now, I'll give you the respect to that. You could be right. What's his path into the lineup and who's getting passed over? I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're all not necessarily I, too excited about that fourth line. So, I think as I we think discuss with, with the, with the amount of prospects you have, like, that creates competition. And if somebody is – able to step up and like we said have something that the team currently doesn't have on their roster like it's not out of the question like you have the best players that are going to give you the best chance to win so give me an nhl comparable if if benson turns out to be the best he could be who is he in your mind i mean i've seen i've seen Braden point um and i i think well, that's a high that, i'm not gonna say no i that's a thank you now now i get more where you're coming from he's that type of he's that type of guy he's shifty he's relentless he creates opportunities for his teammates, but he's also able to finish when he when he gets those opportunities himself. Um, and back to the middle set discussion a little bit, like he's a tougher player. He's tougher on the boards. He's better with the puck. He's a better passer. Everything I've seen from him in these past couple of weeks has shown me that Zach Benson's ceiling is way higher than a lot of these other guys. And every ranking of the Sabres prospect system has put him at the top. And it's unbelievable that he fell to the Sabres at 13, but it's a miracle that he did. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does at training camp. You guys and I'm looking forward to seeing who they put him with. Because Jost I think forget, that, they brought back Jost. And on the same day, they, they brought back Rusak. Um, I don't think you sign Rusak, even though I believe it's a two-way deal. A I'll lot. Less, two seconds. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like this is uh, a situation uh, where – Dwayne, we signed him before and he went to the minors, so he's a two-way deal. Yes, April fifteenth, he got sent. But, there. but, but, if you're asking me right now, whose roster spot that is to lose out of our prospects, I think it's Rusev. Really, you guys aren't with me on on on. on I I don't um, think they're they're not in a position where they have to rush a guy like Kulik like we did with Middlestat. Like we are not we're not him. in that position. We're not in that if position. We don't have to. This guy is a man. Do you remember him at last development camp? Oh, absolutely. I have no I have no argument that Yuri Kulik can't play in the NHL next year, and he will play in the NHL next year. I just think he's going to take the role that Rusek had for us last year as the first forward call-up. No, no. And I'm okay with that because that creates the internal competition. 
that you talked about, Dwayne. That internal competition is something we've lacked for so long because we've missed on so many draft picks. Um, Earls, where do you see Kulik? Like, is he where, like in your plans? Does he make the team? Where do you see him fitting? I, mean, I, I think it really depends on the Olofsson discussion, right? Because a lot of people have said that he's a similar type of player to Olofsson, but he's a better version. Uh, he's a younger, faster, stronger, better version, similar type of shot. So I think you... I think you see what happens at training camp and you see if he, he fits that type of role. If he can fit onto your second power play or he's a better option to fill in for Jack Quinn right now, then you go for it. And then you do whatever you can to trade Victor Olsen. But I think he is filling that type of role at this point. Um, and I think that ceiling is much higher as well. I think we know what we're going to get from Victor Olsen. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily know what we're going to get from guys like Yuri Kulik or Potentially Zach Benson or Matt Savoy at this point. So yeah, I think you I'm go, gonna, they'll be able to evaluate it, but it's not a bad problem to have. They're going to go with the better players. I think we can all trust their talent evaluators at this point, but mm-hmm. I think training camp is going to be really interesting to see who they eventually go with. Comment. I think it, they will trend younger if they, if they really have to. Comment here from, from Paramat Pictures in front of the show, Matt, uh, as we opened up the show about Eddie, if you haven't heard, Eddie Strong is number six trending. Uh, in the world right now. Uh, again, we had a moment of silence to start the show for him. Uh, so that's that's awesome to see that Bill's Mafia is showing out for that kid today and his father. Uh, that's awesome to see. Um, another few more comments here. Kulik strikes me as the real deal. Where'd Thompson, you bro? Thompson's Cubs. Uh, Thompson, Cousins, Krabs, and Jost is nice, nice step down the middle. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Can um, I pull up something real quick? And I, I have to say, I'm sorry on this. He Ruzik's really fallen under my radar. Guys, he went for 56 points in 70 games, which is uh, blows my mind in the NHL. That's very hard to do. Uh, and that was his real first taste of the AHL because he only played 19 games the year before after playing his whole life in the big rinks. And what gets me the best, is that in the playoffs, Dwayne, he played 14 games. You want to guess how many points he had? How many? Give me a guess. 13. 12. Okay. So That's pretty damn good, dude. If you're going a point for game in the playoffs, you're up for the con Smythe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, my bad. I just – give me a quick rundown. What type of player is he? Like, is he – oh, never mind. He's shifty. I, 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 good, good around I remember that. him. 5'11", quick, yep. Yeah, All right, well, uh, I, I didn't mean to take that tangent on Blaine. What else did you want to touch on? Uh, nothing. Just, uh, again, we, we talked – we've talked in depth here about internal competition. Uh, honestly, the yeah, Connor – Can back to Clifton? Well, Connor – we've talked about Connor Clifton. Oh, you already did? Never mind. We've talked about Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson, obviously, going to – Really round out your bottom pairing there, whoever they decide to pair him with, whether it's LeBron. Blake was the guy I was thinking of, too. That yeah, guy should Blake be in Rochester. Yes, he's going to be in Rochester. Thank but you, you have Labushkin, Henry Yoki Haru, and Stillman. You have four defensemen vying for two spots in your bottom pairing right now. No matter what Eric Johnson is, unless he completely just pulls a complete Berglund in training camp and just disappears. He's one of your one of your two going into training camp on that third pairing, in my opinion. So, so that Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, Matthias Samuelson, Clifton as your four. 
Earl Kiaru. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I would hope so, at least. I think he so, could do that for sure. And, and so you guys you're going to have one of these guys are on their way out the door. Those are your four, and I need you to rate the, the rest of these five, okay? So you got Johnson, Labushkin, Bryson, Stillman. I think, I think as Dwayne said, I think Johnson's a clear five. And then if I had to pick one of those other guys, I'll probably go with Labushkin, given the, the physicality that he adds to the team. So um, that keeps Bryson and Stillman out of the lineup. And Yoki yep. Haru as well. And I think uh, I think a lot of people were upset with Yoki Haru's play, play last season, especially in the defensive zone, and his awareness or lack thereof in front of the net. So if he is not able to improve that or show that he has at least added that element to his game over the summer, the physicality and everything to do with it, he's a good puck mover. And I think that's why they traded – uh, Alex Nylander for him in the first Too place. Too many but, mistakes in his own end. Yeah, I mean, he, he his lack of awareness in front of his own net was really Didn't bad. Did he kill you when the puck went corner to corner? Now, Dwayne, is a goalie in hurls, uh, what position did you play? I'm a goalie as well. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. So when the guy, you guys know, when the puck goes corner to corner, right, our, our defenseman in front doesn't vacate the front until – other defenseman makes his way back or the center comes and covers, right? Right. Yep. I I just saw way too much of that from Yoki Haru. Just bad transitions. And because if you're late to that corner, then you're putting yourself in a bad spot to get beat to the net. Or they can go low to high and get that point. Like how many times do we see something small like that from a defenseman end up in our net? From uh, 2001, Lex, I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, uh, Lex Stolionis, Lex I, I apologize. Yoki Haru has a right-handed shot on the blue line, so he does come at a premium. I, I definitely agree with that, too. So, Well, hold up. Connor Clifton's a righty. Eric Johnson's a righty. Labuskin's a righty. Yoki Haru's a righty. Yeah, but what I'm saying is there are more value around a right hand. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I agree with that point. I agree with that. That's a good point. I just think we have more, like we did, like you said, Dwayne. Kevin Adams said he wanted right handed depth. He fucking got it. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Goaltenders. Um, obviously, yeah. a lot of other deals made too uh, around free agency. Um, we talked about Toronto, Reeves, um, Tyler Bertuzzi. Was there somebody else that? Went over oh Max Domi. Max five had Domi. Max five had Domi. Um, I don't feel like the division really got better outside of New Jersey. No, no, the, the, the Metropolitan. Never mind. So I really don't feel like the Atlantic got better. Are we time out? You gotta tell me without me freaking out. The Atlantic division. It's Florida, Tampa, us, Boston, Boston, Toronto, Montreal. Ottawa. Montreal, and I think that's it. Ottawa. No, not Wait, is Detroit. Is Detroit in the Atlantic? I'll confirm that. But, um, yeah, Connor, please do, because I thought I had this mapped out. Too, I'm way off. Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't think the Yeiser the, the plan in Detroit has been working. It's still not working. No, they did okay. I'm not saying they didn't bad, but, I mean, they just they went and signed Zadina. Zadina, and now they just waved yeah. him. They got Zadina, like, yeah. I mean, it's not a going according to plan in Detroit. I don't think they got better. No, Toronto. Didn't huh? I thought Detroit picked up one big, big name. They got they Nolan Stevens. That ain't it. 
Um, Christian Fisher, he ain't it. Uh, Shane Gothenspear, one year, 4.1. You're That's right. A good, he's a good defenseman, but he's not a game breaker. Yeah, yeah I don't mind that. He also can't play defense. Man. Yeah. Um, but outside, I mean, Toronto, but jury's still out on them. I would assume that Boston isn't going to be the same team that they were Justin last Hall time. left Toronto to go to Detroit. Sorry, that, that's what okay. it was. All right. Because he signed um, for 10.2 over three. So similar yeah. to Clifton's deal. Go ahead, yeah. Blaine, sorry. I think Buffalo is probably on paper between their signings and what's to come internally. I think Toronto is – they didn't move the needle forward, in my opinion. They kind of stayed the same. But in terms of improvement, moving the needle in the right direction. Getting the fuck out of Dubas out of town. Buffalo might have improved the most. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd say so. I think I think the Sabres has ab- as good of a chance as, as they have probably in 10 years to compete in this division. So, I, I, I like I mean, a lot. I like and, a lot what you said. And I guess the only thing that we we haven't touched on yet is I think Kelly was about to mention is the goaltending. And I think it's it's a lightning rod for a lot of different people, but it really depends on what your opinion of their process is. And I think we all can agree that we're very comfortable with Levi getting at least 30, 35 games next season. And it really depends yeah. on what they what what they what they do with the other spot. And it looks like well, that's UPL spot to lose. And I'm not necessarily uncomfortable with that, given the, given the improvement I saw from him at some point. At some, at some points last season, he played really, really well. The consistency, consistency wasn't there. But they didn't right get there. a veteran no. like we thought they would. They didn't make a trade. So I guess that's the question mark right now. Correct. I'll be quick, Dwayne. Hurls, do you remember UPL in Sudbury when we drafted him? Goalie of the year. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible in the OHS. Double hip surgery, labrum surgery, rehabbed, and you're right. It's He still shows flashes of the goal he was. But the problem is consistency. And what leads to problems with consistency is a goalie that has two hips that have been butchered. I don't know. Like, do you guys feel me there? I've just I mean, it, I've lost a little bit a more faith. Issue. And, and I, I think that the longer that we keep UPL, unless he does develop into a very good 1B, which he could, he could still develop into a good 1A. What message do you want to send to Devin Levi? If I was if I was Kevin Adams, I would sit down with Devin Levi and I, I might, you know, have an open discussion and say, hey, these are three to four guys that we could bring in. Um, you know, you're going to have to earn every minute you get. You know, like I know many people think I'm crazy for bringing that up, but that shit happens more than you think, not with rookies, but I think how important Devin Levi is in this conversation or this organization, what, who's the best partner for him? It doesn't have to be on the Sabres roster. Gosh, it's really tough to say at this point. I I I think with, with their moves or lack thereof right now, I think they've made it clear that it's his net to lose. And I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with that. I think what he showed in his first seven games in the NHL and what he's going to develop over the summer and what he's going to continue to develop with more experience, that he could absolutely do that. He can be your 1A. He can give you 40 games next season, and the team will be comfortable with that. It looks like they were down the stretch. So in terms of partner, I think I'd prefer UPL over Comrie. 
And then outside of the organization, that would have to be a trade. And at this point, the two guys on the market that everyone's discussed are John Gibson and Connor, Connor Hellebuck. Hellebuck so, Hellebuck flat out said what he wants to get paid on an extension. Which, and I'm not paying that. What do you say, You can't afford nine, 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 nine five. He wants, he wants that <laughs> last money. I'm not paying Connor, nine five. You're great. You got to wait a year. A little breaking news, Dwayne. You probably covered it. One NHL player agent tells that the flat cap in 23-24 plus the jump in space at 24-25 up to at least $88 million equals a lot of one-year deals in the UFA marketing starting tomorrow. Well, this was from – I was wondering, too, why so many one-years makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. Um, the goaltender thing. Ranta's back with the Hurricanes. There wasn't a ton of movement. Aiden Hill. What about Aiden Hill, guys? I know I he already signed, but is that somebody I you think wouldn't if they're smart, I think if they're smart in Vegas, they hold on to him in some way, shape, or form. No, they already got rid of him. They didn't get rid of him? Aiden Hill signed with... Oh, he did sign somewhere. I didn't even realize yeah. that. Give me two seconds. Well, hold on. Talbot is with the Kings. Jonathan Quick is with the Rangers. Mackenzie Blackwood is with the Sharks. Um, Eunice Corbisalo, a five-year, $20 million deal with the Senators. Yep. Um, Brad Kodudis with the Ducks. Pitlick with the – hold on. I'm getting there. James Reimers back with the Red Wings. Yep. Um, sorry. We're the – Alex Lyon with the Red Wings. Two years, $1.8 million. Yeah, we said Aiden Hill. And Aiden Hill did get moved. Did he? I swear to God, I saw his name. He's still with the Knights, him. so I, I don't think he did. No, he's still with the Knights, yeah. No, I'm seriously thinking right. like I an idiot. No. I fucked up. I fucked up. You did. You did. Uh, I think Vegas should hold on to him. Um, He won. He helped win you a cup. He was a big reason why you won a cup. Um, I would say on the team he ranked third in Conn Smythe voting, right behind yeah. Marshall Eichel. So, and he is a pretty good of example of, of finding lightning in a bottle, right? Yeah. Like the Sabers almost had it in Devin Levi had they gotten one more point and gotten into the playoffs. And you have a young guy that you've developed, and you haven't created any roadblocks. I think their moves right now, or the lack thereof, is that they're trying to give him every single opportunity to win this job. And I think he absolutely can. I really do. We all we all know how good he is. We all know how mentally locked in he is and the type of physical talents that he has. And improving the defense as much as they have with Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson and creating that competition for the sixth spot, that's only going to help his development even more. I think it's so, going to help all three goaltenders. It's going to help all three, and I think it's spe- specifically going to help your best one. 100%. He's not gonna. He's not gonna have to make as many tough saves. He's not gonna have to go across his crease as much as we saw in those last seven games. He's not gonna get forty shots a game. God hope not. In terms, um, so I I think the combination of what they did is really setting up for him to being that opening night starter against the Rangers at home on October. I think it's October eleventh or t- October twelfth, a few months away. So we'll see what happens. But I think we should all at least be a little bit more comfortable with the idea of. Devin Levi, and then whoever plays better in training camp, and that's UPL or Eric Comrie. So I have no problem with if it's UPL either. I I, I really don't. I, I everyone knows who follows the show. I'm not a UPL stand, but I think to your point, Earls, I think he was also a victim of just poor defensive play in front of him. So was Comrie. Well, then how do you explain Levi? 
it's such a small sample size, bud. In his first fucking coming, he still got fucked. He's still in the college finals. He's objectively better. And he's, I think he's definitely that's better. That's another, that's another good he problem. Also, but he also did have a game where he led in eight goals. Was it seven or eight goals? Yeah, no, you're six right. Six against the Red Wings. So, so so I thought it was more than that. I'm sorry. I think it, I think they won seven six in overtime. But. Oh, that's right. Yep. We all we all know that game was nuts. But yeah, that was nuts. Here's my thing. I'll take one stinker and it, it, from a kid that's what 22. Yeah, and I wouldn't even consider that game to be a stinker. Like he, he, still, made, he still won he it. He still won it because of him. Very good stinker. Like that's that's going to happen. That's going to happen this season. He's going to have his tough nights. It's just how he responds to it. And if he's if he's mentally able to do so, which he has been up until this point in his career. I'm going to share a quick I'm going to share a quick story really quick, Dwayne. So I ran into I'm not going to say names. Uh, coach of Northeastern, um, and I just wanted to pick his brain a little bit about. Uh, the the bean pot because we had talked to this guy when they didn't have Levi two years ago, right? So I just said, what did it mean to the boys to have him there this year? And they had a tough road. Like they they, they ended up winning in overtime. It's actually a, fr- a friend of mine, my old coach in Rochester's son, local Western New York boy, Hunter McDonald, scored that empty net goal to make it 2 nothing. Remember in the semis? Yeah. Um, so shout out to Hunter McDonald, uh, and coach McDonald, but, um, they said, the coach said that just the boys knowing that they had Devin back there felt like they, all they need to do is get one goal. Like it to me, like as a coach, you never want to go to a game thinking, okay, we just need one. But like when you're, when you, when you hear that from a division one coach and he's dead serious, like how cool is that? Right. I never had Dwayne. I don't know about you. I never had teams and hurls. You can tell me. Uh, my teams were like, guys, if we get six, Cully might give us a chance. All right, <laughs> but to have like just just because uh, Devin's not going to go out and talk about it, but just a boy seeing him and being like, dude, we can do anything with this guy. That's the message I got, and that gave me a hockey boner. And I love Devin Levi and Devin. Come clicks. I miss you, bud. Come come back to Buffalo. I got, oh, I got, he's I got. definitely coming back to Buffalo. I'll tell you that. Well, I mean, it's just, soon. We need, we just, need, uh, we need to hang out with him. It's a matter of what his role is going to be. I think he felt that with the team over those last seven games, especially well, after that Rangers. Cool if we signed him to a – if we didn't give him some kind of guarantee. Yeah. After, after that Rangers shootout win, going into the Devils game the next night, on the back-to-back, it was a discussion like, should you throw, throw a young kid in the middle of a playoff race on a back-to-back – uh, night games and given the amount of times he did that in college just this past season I don't think it was even a question of course true, they lost that double game and it wasn't it wasn't his best but the fact that he was even able to do that and still pr- pretty much succeed at a high level shows you everything you need to know about his fortitude so my only um, question is can he replicate that instead of playing 30 some games playing 82 not saying he's going to play all 82 but in college you're playing on Friday Saturdays you know maybe some Sundays twice a week that's it yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he. I don't think he's going to play more than two, three times a week, even in an NHL team. Traveling where before he was at school Monday through Thursday, and then on the road. And trust me, I, I know what you're saying. Everybody's made this jump. I just think it's it's going to be interesting. To, to I would love to see what Vegas has his number of starts at. You mentioned 35, Connor. Yeah, and I, I I I would say they definitely don't want to go over 45. I, I think their goal is somewhere in the 35 to 40 range. First starts for 
UPL starts for Levi next season. If I, I think if I he had, gets, I think he gets fifty, bro. I'd hope. So, I mean, so like you'd hope so, good, but at good, the same time, I was hoping really you guys were in that range because you look <laughs> at it. You both said, "Let him, let the internal competition take care of itself." Thirty-five is is if he maybe underperforms or the other goalie overperforms. But like Dwayne said, and you and you said, I think that we've seen so much growth from him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play fifty. No, I would. I wouldn't be surprised either. I just think in terms of like their projections in terms of not rushing him. I think they but, don't want to push him too quickly. But if he does succeed and he does turn into that bell cow guy, I don't. I don't me. think they're going to be discouraged from he playing. Struck me as a guy though, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, as Hurley. You, I'm, I'm so sorry. He never means interrupt, Hurley. No, no. Wait, no, no, hear me out. Did, did you not get that feeling from Devin that he's he played like five out of five out of six or six out of seven games in that run there at the end of the season, and he embraced it. He didn't get right. I guess, girls, what I was trying to get to is me and Dwayne, when we talked to him, this guy was so humble, so calm. And when I think of guys that I knew that that, that made it and as goalies and guys that didn't, he has all these characteristics to be a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who early, early in his career played in the NHL full-time at 21 years old. You know what I mean? Super mm-hmm. rare stuff. And, what, and I'm not saying they're the same person, but from the same area, Right, Dwayne? Quebec? Yeah. Both really nice, honest people. I don't know. I think it's in that range. I think you let them decide. Um, Dwayne, I didn't mean to be a run on. What else did no, you want I to just, I just think I, 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 have, I have all the confidence in the world in that kid, and I think he's a gamer. I just think that he embraces the challenge. And even, he even said it best after they lost, they won, sorry, 7-6 to six in a shootout. And they he was smiling the entire – I mean, you know, he goes, there's nothing wrong with a little adversity. And he accepts the challenge. And, um, you know, who is it, Barney from How I Met Your Mother? Challenge accepted. That's the type of attitude he has. Like, he wants. He's just so, so respectful about it, too. Like, this kid just, just got back from, what was it, like Team Canada? Just, you know, what was up for the Hobie, whatever. And here he's talking about, you know, like his, his future in the NHL. But he wasn't even looking past that. He was looking to the next bean pot, the next college season. And I'm really excited for the human being in that because as we've learned as goaltenders, they're at the, the very top. You know, you mentioned a guy like um, Alex Lyon, Alex Lyon or uh, a Comrie. You know, physically, there's not much separating those guys. It's who can put it all together on a nightly basis and who can make their team want to win for them. And Dwayne, that seven six story was was so cool because I remember post game he was smiles. He told us he said. You know, you obviously want to you want to keep it. You want you don't want to get you don't want to get scored on. You want to shut out. But more importantly, he made it so crystal clear that he just wanted to give his team a chance to win. And you yeah. have a lot of goalies that aren't like that. They think, ah, well, we won six to four. I sucked. No, you won. You're better than the other guy. Yep. You're not gonna, you're, you're, you're you're not going to have a one point three four goals against average every game. You're gonna you're gonna let in goals, and he understands that and. You know, even Patrick Waugh got scored on, you know, eight or more times in a game. Hashik too. You know, I mean, it happens. You know, to the best, the best goalies in the world, it happens. Hockey world got changed forever when Detroit finally decided to put five five Russians on the ice. They mm-hmm. put up 11 on Patrick Waugh in the forum, and we all know what happened next, Wayne. 
Yep. <laughs> they kept him in for the whole right fucking now. Last time he started a game for the Montreal like Canadiens. Back then, like the owner sat right behind the bench, so the whole yep. thing's on camera. And you just see Patrick Waugh just walk, walk right up. up to him and said it to him. That is the last time I ever play a game for you. Say that mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Jason Jason Guys, I have one quick question for you. Non-savers question. Um, not going to talk too much, but hey, a couple clicks for Quentin Musty. He's going to be joining us. Uh, Should have joined us a couple weeks ago. I just can't do it. He's going to be joining us when he gets back. He's in his second day of development camp out in San Jose. He's doing really well. Another local kid out there, Dwayne, Joey Muldowney's from Lakeview. Yep. So he's, he's out there. Gavin, McCar- Gavin McCarthy out of Clarence. He had a, he's at he's a very good uh, development camp in Buffalo, too. So a lot of different pieces going on. I'm not going to make this about myself. I got the chance to go to two of these development camps. It is one of the coolest moments ever. And for a lot of these guys, they're coming in to play with the best players they've ever played against, right? Especially some of the Europeans that weren't playing in men's league. So really yep. cool for these guys, especially the local ones, to show off what they got. And just a couple clicks for Musty. Congrats on on, on getting picked. The Bill Musty family, you guys have been great. Um, my question to you guys, there were some rumors about when, when Musty dropped into the 20s that the Sabres were making calls to move back up. Back up into the first round. Now, was that for Musty? They, I, I heard Adam say that it was for Anton Wahlberg, who they eventually got in the second round. So I think there's a lot of smoke screens at this time of year, and right. I don't because think it's if, necessarily. If he admits that that they were looking to trade up, and and Dwayne, what would you have to get up to move up 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 in the first round? A first round pick, right? You'd have to give up probably a next year's first, yeah. So, like, to do that for him, or 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 a first round projected player, or you know what I mean, like maybe a Rose, one of your first round in a second, that could probably get you back into a late first round. So, you're saying we got this guy in round two? Yeah. So Wahlberg, I think they got at 39. So the ninth first pick, ninth pick of the their first pick of the second round. Yeah. And you guys like him? I don't know much. I like him. Big boy. He's 6'4". Uh, he's a lot of offensive upside. He had a really nice move at development camp today, right in the offensive zone, and went around a guy and went in and scored on a breakaway. So he seems like the type of prospect. Like I think a lot of people were questioning when they drafted Benson, given how small he is. Like There's a lot of smaller forwards in the system right now. And then they went out and got like five, six, five guys. So they added a lot of size into the forward pipeline, which I think is good. And My he has last a lot of question. Skill as well. Does it make Kevin Adams look so? Either there's two there's two possibilities, right? Either we had him as a first round grade in one of the top twenty five players in the draft, and everybody else didn't, which which means one of two things: that we're wrong on the projection and everybody else is right, or it was a smokescreen. Dwayne, what do you think is more likely? Uh, probably a smokescreen. Because I don't think if I'm a GM, I'm going to come out and tell everybody who I was trying to trade up to get. Because that gives you an insight on, A, what I'm looking for. Because if I didn't get that guy, then guess what? I don't want Philadelphia knowing that I'm looking for a left shot defense, but just saying a random position yeah. because that's the guy I was trying to go after. You know what I mean? So it's interesting, and Hurls appreciate the, the the information on that. I just It's interesting, right? There's a lot of what-ifs. Um can I get your guys' thoughts on Musty going 26th? 
Um, wait, repeat that again. Quentin Musty is the first Buffalo, especially Hamburg, player to go in the first round. Um, and the first one from Buffalo since Pat Kane uh, went first. Um, I could be wrong on that. Maybe McCarthy went first, the older boy. Um, no, Gavin McCarthy was a, either late second or early third. Case. Yeah. Uh, right. Case. Oh, Case McCarthy. Gavin's older brother. I think he went first. I could be wrong. My point is this: as, as a local guy, Pat Coletta was 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 uh, quoted the other day, having coached him and having known it, Pat Kane too. He said in the athletic Dwayne, you you mentioned the article to me that he's the best to come out of this area since Kane. I think that's fair to say, but it's early. I know the kid personally, so I agree with it. Um, how long till Quentin Must is in the NHL? I say he's there in two years. I would say two years is a good projection, yeah. Maybe he gets a game or two in before that, but I think as a full-time seller, I, I give it to as well, because think about it. If you're, if you're, if you were a first-round prospect, San Jose is one of the best spots to get to it, as far as climbing the ladder organizationally, right? Yeah. They, they don't have a lot of forward depth right now. So that's, that's why I probably, think- probably as good of a spot as he could have gone to. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was trying to pretty much ask. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think too, you got a smart GM there and Mike Greer who knows what he has and, you know, was, he's not going to rush him into a situation he might not be ready for. So I have a really cool story about Mike Greer that I just found out that how cool he made it for Quentin about, you know, his time in Buffalo, you know what I mean? Like the connection there, it was just really cool. You know, proud of them, proud of what's going on there. So I'll I'll shut up now, Dwayne, and I'll listen. Yeah, we know that's not going to happen. But, no, uh, any surprises from you guys out of free agency? Uh, You know, signings that you scratched your head at, you know, kind of like, eh, that's that's, that's funny. Uh, Yeah, you go ahead. Well, one that jumps off the page to me, okay, and I, I haven't really been able to figure it out, is what happened with Kaylor Yamamoto. So I liked his game, undersized guy from Edmonton. He got traded, and then he got released, and then he got signed. So was that in the works the whole time? I'll give you the details on it in a second as I find it. Um after being bought out by the Red Wings, Kaylor Yamamoto inked a one-year deal, 1.5 mil with the Kraken. So if you're Edmonton, you know, I know that you traded him to Detroit, but Detroit bought him out, and now he's back in your division. Like, you guys make sense of that? I liked his game. Did you guys not? Um, I, Look at I, what J.T. Comfort did for Colorado. Undersized guy that's yeah, a center. Yeah, that was a good two-way player. Um, I think he deserves a little bit more respect than what he's gotten. Okay, so, but again, I think that he probably could have got more money, but taking one point five million dollars now allows him to bet on himself when the cap goes up eight million bucks. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I mean, there's a lot of betting on themselves going right now. I mean. Zadina waived the rest of his contract essentially with Detroit uh, to get in the East completely off their books now. And he, he's essentially betting on himself now. 
wherever he signs next, wherever that might be. And uh, good point. You know, he essentially gave up almost five million dollars. <laughs> Let to, me ask you guys this before I, I kick it back. Former Saber and former Jack Eichel fanboy, ever got Rodriguez. What about him? Is that me? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. I don't know why this is playing. Get out of here. Sorry. I want to ask you guys about Evan Rodriguez. Okay. Did you guys think that he would be still in the league at this point, making what he's making? And I'll give you his exact number here. Um, Evan Rodriguez, four years, $12 million. With the Panthers, did you think Evan Rodriguez would still be in the league? And did you think he'd be Buffalo? Able- no, I, I mean I always liked Evan Rodriguez. I thought he was a good, uh, good compliment. Bottom six guy. Too. I never thought he'd still be in the league at this point. This Thank year. you. Yeah, I mean he's gone to a couple of really good situations, right? Like he was with the Penguins, he was with the Avalanche. He's walking into another one now. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of high offensive upside there. I mean, when he was with the Sabers, like he basically was signed because of Jack Eichel. And then he was with a team that didn't necessarily fit his skill set. So no, I'm not, I, I'm surprised a little bit, but he's, I think he's a quality middle six guy and he's a hard worker and he can give you a lot of good minutes in, in a middle six role. So yeah, it's good for him. My last one was going to be your, your thoughts on John Klidberg going to the Leafs. Is he their answer that they've been looking for? And also the same thing, Dumoulin, Finding his way from Pittsburgh to Seattle to do that. Do I, like players I think Dumoulin Seattle is a really good fit. Uh, I think Klinberg's washed. Yeah, he's defensively, he's terrible. Um, he still has a little bit of upside offensively, but I think he's starting to get a little long in the tooth, and I just don't. I, I don't long in the tooth? Huh? Long in the tooth? That's the best thing I've heard all day. I love yeah. you. I, uh, I think that he, he's. He doesn't move the needle. He does not move the needle for Toronto. Um, so I, I got I, I I'll even double down. I think Buffalo is a much more improved team uh, today than they were before free agency, and I think Toronto is the same, if not worse. Matthews is leaving. What? Sorry, I said Matthews is leaving. What are you talking about? Austin Matthews is leaving. Per who? I don't know. <laughs> per you, okay, that'd be that'd be pretty big well, news if that just happened. He ain't gonna be a leaf. Okay, well you stop talking. You just can't say that out loud like it's breaking fucking news, and then oh, just like, oh, it's just my opinion. I I have a, a friend named Ball Pizanet, and he told me, no, I don't know. I just guys, I I don't think that you know it, you you brought in a new GM Dubis. I think Austin has struck me as the type of person that doesn't love being like, I'm sure he loves the attention, but he strikes me as a much more guy that doesn't want to be playing in Toronto. And you guys get that vibe? I do. I have, I think he would have been signed by now to an extension if he truly, truly wanted to be there. Thank and you. I know Trey tra- living is doing everything he can to get that done. I um, think it's out of his hands. I think Austin's earned his right to say, Hey, Brad, you got to prove to me that, you're not going to waste the prime of my career like fucking do dialed Kubis. 
yeah. So last time uh, I talked shit about Kyle Dubas on air, I, I did. I got fined because it was an OHL broadcast. Like, anyways, anyways girls, the original question: Any signings out there that surprised you or made you kind of scratch your head? Like, why they do that? Or I was just oh. looking into it. I think Orlov for two years, fifteen million, was definitely a lot. That was mine. I was I was trying to think about like term and overpaying for guys. Like a lot of people said that the Sabres overpaid for Clifton three years, 3.3 million. I don't think that's over. That's not an overpay, especially when you project what type of role he's going to have in your top four, hopefully. Um, But two years, 15 million for Dimitri Orlov. He's going to a good team in the Hurricanes. I think it's, it's a lot of money um, for a guy that's probably in the back half of his career. Um, So I, I did think that was a lot, but that's also a guy I mentioned the Sabres potentially going after. But not for that money. I think that's, what that's would something you that... Been, what would you have been comfortable paying? I mean, that's the thing. Like, maybe five? Like, yeah, maybe like five million? Like, yeah. like, you never know. Like, he's not getting Owen Power type of money. Like, well, he's not... You know, is there, is there a... You know how sometimes there's a, a like a player option? You see a lot more basketball for that last year? Mm-hmm. So the, the cap will be up by then at least eight to ten. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that why they gave him the extra money up front? Hoping to get him cheaper on the back end. It was two years, fifteen million. So I guess if the cap goes up after this season, like you're still on it for another year. So I'm right. not really sure. It's projected by twenty four, twenty five to be eighty eight. Okay. So for the next two seasons, um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, it's not that's that. Like, yeah, it's a lot of money for a guy that who's he's a good player, but he's not going to move the needle that much. And other than that, like, as we've talked about, like a lot of one-year deals and it's because of the cap, it's because of guys trying to maximize their long-term future, but there aren't, there weren't too many impact signings. I, I think Twitter was down last Saturday when uh free agency was happening. Yeah. That but was, it was horrible. It was horrible timing, timing from Elon Musk. And I was watching a live stream on YouTube, but like, I was surprised at how little was happening. Like usually this day, is massive in the hockey world in terms of the amount of signings and the yeah. amount of news and lightning rods for a lot of different people. But I would say this was one of the more uneventful free agencies in recent memory. Yeah. Well, I think the neighbors to do what they did and come out with Johnson and Clifton as a result of that is, is pretty good. Yeah. When did Max Patch ready get what, what? Yeah. He went to Carolina. No. He's with the Capitals. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah no. capital. Sorry, yeah. He used to be with Carolina. He went with the, the Caps. Right. I thought that he was injured, and in, in like I, I honestly thought if they had him at Fechnikov, they might beat Florida. Yeah, I, I personally, in terms of of deals that surprised me, um, I thought that uh, Michael Bunting would have gotten maybe a little bit of a longer deal than three years. I think he's a a young guy entering his prime. And for three years, a thirteen point five million uh, total. I think that's a steal for Carolina. I think he's going to fit well in that system with with Brindamore. Um, I thought the one. Did, how do you let him go if you're Edmonton, buddy? You mean Toronto? Oh, sorry, yeah, Toronto, Toronto. I was thinking of um, the guy that went from Toronto to Edmonton. They play similar style. Um, Hyman. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. Um, I, I don't know how you let that guy go. I thought he fit that team pretty well. Um, and it's not a lot of money. Dreamling must have some kind of information that we don't. JT, pretty Kyle. much you you delete him and you add who Domi and Domi Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. Um, and I don't think Bertuzzi replaces him. He's an upgrade for Bunting, but damn, dude, I liked Bunting. I like Bunting a lot too. Um, 
I like the signing by Detroit of JT Comfort, but I thought it was a little bit of an overpay. But hey, who, who drafted him, by the way, Dwayne? Buffalo Sabres. It was part of the Ryan O'Reilly deal. Um, and they both got cups. But you know what? But we got Tage Thompson out of that whole thing, so I'm fine with it. Fucking right. Uh, Sorokin got a eight-year, $66 million deal, which is bananas, but, you know. So, and Varlamov got one too, bro. Yeah, Varlamov. They secured both their, their 1A, you know, their their their, their – Obviously, franchise goaltender and forever, Dwayne. Two goalies both getting locked up on the same day yeah. with the same team. That's it's been a long time since that's happened. Um, but I going back to Hill's point, I was genuinely surprised that Orloff got paid what he did, even though it's only a two year deal. Genuinely surprised that they overpaid that much for him. I he must know. be even surprised. Do you guys agree that from when they won the cup till now, he's taken a significant step back? Orloff? Yes. I thought he was great for Boston when they when they acquired him. I thought he was one of the better players. But mismatches all over the ice with that back end they had. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be the same guy he was. Him and Carlson, you know what I mean? He's not going to be the same guy he was in it, you know, when he was entering his prime back when they won that cup. Uh, it was Washington, you know, three or four years ago. Like, he's not going to be that same guy, but um, I think that he thinks like he's a very good defenseman. But Carolina definitely overpaid a lot. Um, any any final thoughts from you guys? Or you know, we were about an hour. One, in. Last one for me: goaltenders. Corpusalo, Ottawa's needed a goalie forever. They bet on Matt Murray. He fucked up because Cully never lost to him. <laughs> You're never the chirp, Dwayne. You're never ready. You're never gonna put the yearbook away, bud. I know, but I just think it's great. Matt Murray, you know, didn't couldn't beat Cully and see ya. No, five years, twenty million dollars with the senators. You guys know they don't like to throw money around. Um, there's some, you know, work with the ownership there. Well, they definitely I think is is a good goalie that has upside. Well, they definitely don't like throwing money around because they they can't keep the Brinkat around, so Uh, that's all I have. The last one, I I thought that the Sabres might be in on Gudis. I thought his screen froze. I thought, I thought he was frozen as well. <laughs> it's the Blake's there. No, um, yeah, I think that's a good signing for Ottawa. I think Corpusalo is a, a good goaltender. I I think he's a slightly above average if he has the right team in front of him. He's good enough to win you games. But um, you also got to secure, you know, keep building in front of along with Brady Kachuk, along with Tim Stutzel, right. you know, along with the, with the core you've had. And to bring Cat leaving, that's kind of like a shot in the foot, if you ask me, because he's as good as gone. So, I'm sorry, my, my when I froze, I was asking about Radko Gudis, because that's somebody that I, I targeted for the Sabres. He signed a little bit more than what Clifton did, you know, three years. Yeah, but – Tax is it tax free over there in California? Fuck no! Are you kidding no, me? Absolutely no, not. The most taxes. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was no, like no, no, that. That one. But to, to my point earlier, it takes two to tango. Racco Gudis goes to a much worse off team than Buffalo, at least currently. I wouldn't say they're worse, worse, but you know they still have a lot to to, to build around it over there. He stayed in a warmer climate. I don't think he wants to go to a colder climate. I think he wants to live in the sun, and I think that's hey, why he made that. that. Yeah, so. That's all I, I got. Anything else, Earls? Um, No, I think we've about covered it. I uh, 
Yeah, I, I guess I was at least somewhat surprised the Sabres made all all eight draft picks. I think we are all were at least potentially expecting a trade, maybe for future assets or trading one of our prospects or potentially one of these picks this season. But I think the lack of trade surrounding the draft in general, uh, there was not a single trade in the first round. You compare that to the NBA and the NFL, that's just unheard of. Um, and there weren't that many trades surrounding the the day or the day two and three either. So there probably weren't too many opportunities. Obviously, Olsen didn't go. So I think Adams did the best with the situation that he had. He added a lot of defensive depth, which I think was the main goal going into this draft, and a lot of size. Uh, added to a lot of skill up front, obviously, with Zach Benson. So Can I, I say one he, thing? I think he did about as well as he could have. Connor, I completely agree. Dwayne, am I wrong here? to think that a lot of the non-trades was because these GMs want, when the cap does go up, they want to have these guys on, because you never know how many draft picks are going to hit. So if you draft eight, maybe two or three will play, right? GMs maybe hold hold back on trading just so they have these cost-controlled options in the cupboard for when the cap goes up so they can plug and play and then go after a big fish. Are you there? Yeah, did I go off screen? No, you're there. You're there. You're good. My question was, is do these GMs hold off on the trades because they want as full coverage as they can so when in, in two, three years, when that cap takes that big jump and everybody's getting paid more, they still have these cost-controlled entry-level deals to plug in into the bottom six or bottom pair so they can go after the big sharks. Yes, no. Any truth like you see where I'm coming from? No, I see where you're coming from. I was trying to make sense of that too because it was one of the lowest, maybe the lowest traded draft ever, right? Yeah. Yeah, there were no deals made in the first round. Um people valued their picks quite a bit because it was such a good draft. Uh like I said, Benson dropped to 13, even though there's a lot of criticism there for why, you know, uh, you know, against the teams that passed on him. It was it was criminal that he dropped to 13. Um, you know, it's predicted to be the steal of the draft for Buffalo. Mitch Koff? Mitch Koff, well, yeah. Everybody knew he was dropping, though. Everybody knew he was dropping. I still can't believe Fantilli didn't go too. Nah, yeah, not- that's wild to me. I thought a six foot four centerman the size he is in the season he had. Uh, greatest freshman season uh, in college in NCAA college history. I thought for sure he would go second right after Bedard. But, uh, even Dwayne, you told me about some of the guys you talked to at Michigan. Like we, we, even when he came in for the summer workout, just how amazing he was on a team the year before that was at a first overall pick and a third overall pick. So like, yeah, I, I, I was filled, surprised. He filled a lot of big shoes because they lost a lot of players because they, they, had five guys drafted in the first round, I believe it was. And the only guy left standing after that was Luke Hughes, um, who eventually, after the college season, I didn't want to, went to go join the Devils. Um, but, no, you're right. He, he uh, showed up he and he showed out. He picked up a lot of slack, bro. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I – I uh, But I, I – listen, I think that um, – this draft, it doesn't surprise me that there were no moves made up. Uh, I think if Mishkoff would have kept dropping, somebody would eventually, you know, threw the kitchen sink at, at a team in, in order to draft him. Um, 
but I, I'm surprised that Benson fell to 13. Um, but I'm not surprised that there were no deals made in the first round because of how good of a draft it was. Why the fuck did we sign Cal Clegg? To be Rochester depth defensive. Okay, two-way deal? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, okay. But with that being said, guys, uh, this has been episode 130 of Two Goalies, One Mike. Brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on George Urban Boulevard. Uh, when you get over there, tell them that the boys over at Two Goalies, One Mike sent you. And I just want to lead, end the show on one last uh, one last message from our uh, from our friend Eddie, who, uh, again, as we know earlier today, uh, Bill, you know, Bill's Mafia favorite, you know, inspiration, Eddie uh, uh, Merrick, uh, who, you know, left us today uh, after his long battle uh, with uh, heart disease. Uh, One last message, one last message from him, uh, you know, in the best way he knows how to uh, from Eddie. Are you ready for Sunday? Don't lose, baby. Are you ready for Sunday? (laughs) Don't lose, baby. Absolute heart of a lion and uh, super proud that he was a Buffalo Bill part of this family and Forever grateful for Nick for sharing his story with us. Um, go, uh, go, Eddie. Go, Sabers. Go, Bills. And we will talk to you guys next week. See you later. Hey, rest in peace, Eddie. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.